You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you're smiling. Hey you, bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly, crack a smile. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to today's show. For today's podcast, today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space. So you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at podgo dot co. And a matter of fact, don't forget to go on ahead and tell them that Movie Loves Unite sent you. Hey, Crichton. Hey. How are you doing today? Good, good. I was making sure that you and everybody else can hear me, okay? Oh, I can hear you perfect. Okay, great. (laughs) How's my audio, though? Oh, it sounds great. Okay, awesome. So, I just want to say welcome to the show again. I do appreciate you being on here. And this time, you actually have a little bit of news that you want to break as well. So, I'm actually happy to actually let you break the news on this podcast that I am doing a one-on-one interview with you about how many chances your documentary film. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your evening to talk with us. Oh man. Thank you for having me on, on your show. It is a mouthful and I don't want to butcher it, but <laughs> it's, I love your show. And so does everybody else that listens to it. And you know what? I think we need to just spread the word out about there is actually a really great show about movies. And, you know, not only do you do like the big budget stuff, but you look after us little people. Exactly. (laughs) Us little hobbits, you know. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, I like taking care of independent filmmakers, not only independent filmmakers, independent artists in general, because I also take care of. Uh, independent artists, singers, stuff like that too. Because to me, music actually goes in with movies. Oh god, and helps motivates it. So that's why I incorporate music into this as well. Yeah, that's right. So, but anyways, let me tell you a little bit of something that I discovered, or something that you told me about. It's called "Buy Me a Coffee." Oh yeah, and what, let me tell you what you got tell you this guys on what buy me a coffee is you go to buymeacoffee.com slash movie lovers and that's going to be in the description notes whenever this podcast episode you guys can actually donate me a coffee but you're not actually buying me a coffee you're not buying me a piece of pizza because you can actually do that too but you can actually donate towards the show it actually helps me to get better equipment it actually helps me to get maybe a computer so the way i can actually do live broadcasting for the show as well so I can actually do videos and stuff like that because I don't want to just do audio podcasting. I want to branch out and go further. And it also helps me with getting microphones. It helps me with better equipment. So if you guys want to, feel free to go ahead, buy me a coffee, buy me a piece of pie, which is pizza, and go ahead and do that for me. I would greatly appreciate that. And I do want to thank you for introducing me to that site. Oh man, that is so great. And you know what? I want to tell everybody that I have already bought you a cup of coffee, you know, 
So well, that explains why I'm hyper. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, uh, can you change the like from coffee to maybe espresso or cappuccinos? Maybe I don't know. Like you know, in that thing, I don't know. Exactly, because I like frappes too. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll have to uh, find some uh, beignets or uh, French donuts, and then Frenchie will uh, do something with it. <laughs> Most definitely. I know one thing. That thing is going in my stomach if you bring me some beignets. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, man, um, I, I watched your documentary. I just want to say this. It is fantastic. Oh, thank you. You're very welcome. And, you know, how many chances, this made me question it before it even saw the movie, the documentary and everything. It's like, how many chances in life do we actually get? You know? Right. And that's the first initial thought that I had in my head. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's the main question. How many chances do we actually get a chance to do something over again that we w- wish that we could have done, done again? and everything and have a second chance at life Mm -hmm. and that was my main thing and you know what you spoke a lot about different topics in life about your documentary but the one thing i noticed is that you didn't speak about is your previous relationships and why why did you not bring that up well you know when i was shooting how many chances I had to make a decision whether I wanted to make a a very long feature length film uh, or do a docu series okay. because and I was like okay if I do a docu series that means it's going to take longer or th- you know and that's a little bit more kind of complicated when you're trying right. to distribute it it's kind of like one hour a show you know <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, so I was like, well, all right, I just won't talk about my relationships, but I'm glad you brought it up because, oh, my God, if I would have done a series, <laughs> that would have been a whole hour show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my I understand God. that, man. I, I really do. I understand that. I mean, and it's not like just. You know, like, oh, I dated all these crazy women. No, no, no. I mean, I, I've, I've had, went to many, well, one psychologist, and after being there for an hour, she said, I feel like quitting. You know, but, uh, you know, <laughs> but she, uh, no, I, I had some very uh, enchanting relationships. And I had some just plain screwed up ones. You know, uh, one of them in general, I was engaged to be married once. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the weirdest proposal. I, I mean, that <laughs> she proposed to me, right? And I'm old oh. school. Okay, yeah, that would definitely break me because I'm old school <laughs> like that, too. I'd be like, look. Look, baby, you need to go ahead and get off your knee for a minute and everything. Let the man take control of this situation. But right. give this at least four months before I actually do this over again. Yeah. So it don't feel awkward. I mean, she, she, one, she told me to hide out in the bathroom. And that was kind of weird. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay. So, uh, you know, and when she knocks on the door and I open the door. Oh, she's got candles lit. She's got the sappy little music going. And I'm like, yeah, all right. That's going to be a good time tonight. You know, I'm like, woo. Uh, I'm like doing the John Travolta strut towards it. You know, yeah, staying alive. Here I am. <laughs> and uh, she she grabs my hand and she says, sit down. I want to talk to you for a second. And with her, there was always an agenda. There was always a double meaning, you know. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she sat me down and said, will you marry me? That just came out of the nowhere. I was like, uh, yeah. Okay, sure. And she, I was like, what's the what's going on? You know, that was my right. first instinct. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? And she began to tell me that she might be going to jail. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, wonderful. I was like, I'll be married to a jailbird, you know. Right, you'll feel like George Costanza and Seinfeld whenever he was dating the uh, right, <laughs> right. So, 
my life is imitating art, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so I asked her, I was like, so you're going to jail, but you want to marry me? And she's like, well, when I get out of jail, I want to make sure I got a home to come to. And I was like, well, that's great. You know, <laughs> it's like, let's just rewind this back to the few minutes before you actually said that you were going to prison. Yeah. <laughs> so, And I asked her, I was like, so do you have wedding bands or something? She's like, no, I didn't have any money for that. And I was like, let's just get up in the morning and go across the bay and I'll get some rings, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So that's, that's one of them, you know what I mean? That's one of, oh God, many. (laughs) Right. I understand, man. I really do. Cause I actually had one where, uh, give me a promise ring. Uh, and we weren't even together that long. I'm like, I promise you I won't get you one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's what I did. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I can relate on the psychosis of that whole entire thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, that was just something I was just curious about and everything because, you know, throughout life we all go through different relationships through different things you know so i was just kind of curious about that and yeah and you know through all of my previous relationships i've i found out who i am really and i found out what i am uh willing to put up with and not put up with you know, we all right. got, we all have that, you know, some people like cornbread, some people like biscuits, you know what I mean? Right, <laughs> so, exactly. And it's kind of like, you figure that out. And I have figured out what my limits are and what my no-nos are, you know. Right. And which is, that. you know, it's not, I'm not picky. It's just kind of like, please don't be a criminal, you know. <laughs> That's the number one thing. Yeah, you know. Please don't be a drug addict. That's another right. one, you know. Right. It's not real big expectations, but, you know. Right. It helps. <laughs> yeah. So the way you can at least go into Walmart without them having to open up a black book or something. Uh, exactly. Yeah, you know. I mean, I don't want to. <laughs> but um, another thing, too, was this i remember you playing baseball and you had that accident mm-hmm. and the and i'm not going to go into detail or anything like that with spoilers with that part yeah. but you know what did you play any other sports after baseball or was it just baseball that's it i'm done after that turn event <laughs> yeah yeah uh because like after that whole baseball accident i had uh, then what? A year later, I got diabetes Ooh. as a kid, and so dealing with that, and that you know, so I was kind of like, no, I'll just because I was so sick, I just stayed in the house, and so I would read books and read comic books, right. and I would just let my imagination just run right away with it. Yeah, right. And I think that's kind of where I discovered, you know, wow, I think I want to tell stories, but make videos out of it, you know? Right. I can totally understand that. I do have two questions for you, though. Mm-hmm. Um, who's your favorite superhero, though, if you can actually relate to one? Oh, or- gosh. Yeah. Like how I could relate it through what I've been through. Yeah, or just yeah. someone that, or a character that you can relate to that you can actually say, hey, look, that character actually represents who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, really? Bruce Wayne. Really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Because, see, the thing about me, most people do not know. <laughs> You're rich? <laughs> well, when I was a kid, yeah. When I was okay. a kid, I really was. Uh, okay. You ever heard interviews with Robin Williams and they, he would say, or he would tell, he was like, well, I was raised by the help. Yeah, I heard about that. That's me. I was raised okay. more or less by the help. I mean, my mom was in it, not around. She was around, but she was in college and going on these trips to like Europe and all this stuff. And the housekeepers, <laughs> my nannies was around. <laughs> <laughs> so... And there was 
nothing in this world I could not ask for as a kid. And my dad would have been like, you got it. I can get it. I can get it. But when I would go to school and things like that, yeah, the way I dressed and the way I presented myself, no joke, you would have thought that I was a kid from the trailer park. But you see, though, I actually find that admirable, though, because that also humbles you, though, too, mm-hmm. to where yeah. ki- where you can actually be among other peers and everything, and you don't think of yourself better than everybody else. So exactly. I can actually respect that. Thank you. And so, you know, I I could identify with that Bruce Wayne having all the money and this and that and, you know, luxury in life. But in actuality, you know, his he would go and be Batman. So, (laughs) you know, he was out there with everybody else. And so that that's where I could identify, you know, my thing. Okay, All right. Another thing, too, is, you know, I used to suffer with hyperglycemia mm-hmm. and everything. And it's the most dreadful feeling that you ever could get. Yeah. Because it seems like it would always pop up when I'm stressed. Uh, yeah. Especially at work. Like, I was working in housekeeping. And I remember I got, I had to hurry up and try and get my rounds done before my before 11 o'clock got, got there. It was around 1030. All of a sudden, it just came on, splurred of the moment and everything. Mm-hmm. I started sweating. I started getting weak, dizzy, to the point where I was almost going to black out. I, it was the most uncomfortable feeling that I could ever experience, and I don't wish that on anybody. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. What you've experienced is normal for me. <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> what you just said, I was like, well, that seems like normal for me. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, you know, I'm just thankful enough that I actually was able to actually beat it to where Mm -hmm. I could lose some weight and actually feel better about myself to the point where I don't have to suffer with that anymore. Oh, that is so great. That uh That is wonderful. Thank you. And I I wanted, you know what? I actually had someone up in Boston that was, that was named Crazy Eddie. Mm -hmm. He, He had this little Crazy Eddie toy store. And you met, and get this, you actually have somebody named Crazy Joe who happens to be an independent wrestler. Yeah. In the in the scene. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the bigger names of wrestlers that you knew or had influence over you? Yeah. Okay, so Crazy Joe, this is just to get a little you know uh reference point for you know, everybody's like, who? Uh, he was like, uh, my God brother. Okay. And if anybody's not familiar with like Catholics or anything like that, when you say this person is my God brother, guess what? That's your brother, you know? Uh, or you say, this is my godmother or my goddad. That's your mom and dad, more or less, you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. So Joe was my God brother. And, um, he, he was a wrestler, but the people that influenced me when I was younger, there was a fella by the name of Uncle Elmer, and he played like a hick redneck thing in WWF, you know, like the 80s WWF thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he, you know, he actually had a good career in the big leagues, and also... The Samoans, um, like uh, Rikishi and right. uh, the Wild Samoans, often Sika. Uh, so, and like the other people that was around them, but they were legends. But like Donnie Fargo, um, I'm trying to think, uh, a couple more, you know. But like Donnie Fargo, for example, he was one of the first wrestlers to sell out Madison Square Garden. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Like, you ever see Cinderella Man? That yeah, movie? I, I love that movie. So, you remember how Madison Square Garden looked? Yeah, how, that thing was packed. And how it had that open ceiling? Yeah. That's exactly how he would describe it to me. That is awesome. So, yeah, I mean, to have somebody that actually sold out 
that during that time <laughs> it's like when i saw it on cinderella man i almost cried i was like oh my god he wasn't lying <laughs> you know <laughs> i think that's everybody's ultimate dream is to be if you're going to be famous everybody was always talking about being in the garden mm-hmm. you know you have kiss who always wanted to do their acts in the garden you have yeah. wrestlers that was like the biggest thing mm-hmm. yeah so and he did it so but yeah so those those people have played a big big part in my life uh from just who i am as a man and who i am as an entertainer and who i am you know they've helped influence my creativity to chase my dreams and make them come true that's awesome. I'm glad they had someone that can actually inspire you and actually push you into doing, being more, you know, for you to actually mm-hmm. do what you love. That yeah. is great. They actually have a have someone that's there for you like that. Because it's really yeah. you actually find people like that in your corner that will actually support you. Mm-hmm. It you know? really is, especially in this day and age where exactly. it's like, you know, I, and I'm sure anybody listening that whether you're listening in Ireland or in Poland, uh, you know, people will tell you empty promises, but it's a blessing when you find somebody that says, okay, you know, like you have Tamika, (laughs) and she, you know, she keeps you on schedule and she keeps you going, you know? Definitely. And then she even tells me, what are you doing a podcast for? I told you to rest. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I was testing the waters. No, you weren't. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm just gonna close out. She made me feel guilty. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad I actually have friends like that that cares about my mm-hmm. mental health like that. That actually means a lot to me. That it really really cares. Yeah, that's right. That is so right. And uh, another thing, though, too, that I want to actually bring up, and I don't mean to damp damp the parade or anything like that but you know i know that you had a rough life going and everything too and you went on a you know you ended up going on a different path Mm -hmm. than probably what your mom and dad wanted you to go on yeah (laughs) that's one way (laughs) that's a nice political way of saying it you know (laughs) (laughs) but you know how did you come across i know that this is like a such an underground type of thing especially in the south because I was actually introduced to this in 05 uh, of actually uh, at my workplace with the uh, Dixie Mafia. Ah, and yeah. that's the first time I ever heard of the Dixie Mafia in my life. I was unfamiliar with it and everything. I never heard of it. I'm a guy from Boston, for crying out loud. You know? Right. I, I'm thinking of, okay, Dixie yeah. Mafia. <laughs> Right. But, yeah. It's kind of like if you first time hearing it, it's like, is this a bunch of teenagers that just come up with this weird name? You know? Yeah. Right. So how did you guys, how did you cross paths with that? And, you know, yeah. without giving too much, you know. Uh, spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. Uh, and also to help, help you out too. Well, this is the bombshell that I've been wanting to drop for years and years because in the documentary, I don't go into much detail about it, but all right. So where I lived, me and my family and Escataba, Mississippi. Now, Escataba and Helena, Mississippi, they're like two itty bitty country small towns like stranger things literally okay. it's like kind of like that except more rural well this these towns they didn't have cops no police force whatsoever oh wow <laughs> but yeah you <laughs> now you would think if you this town has no police force how do you keep people from being you know like the wild wild west right well there was a what I call a invisible police force and that was the Dixie Mafia and you know Dixie Mafia they were I guess they started in the 70s or 
maybe late sixties. Yeah, late sixties, I think. Okay. And they, you know, they flourished all the way up to right after the casinos in Biloxi got built. Oh, wow, and, that's even through the 90s then. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like it was, uh, somewhere around that 90s, area. yeah. It was 90, 94, 95. That's when, it, that's when it died off, you know what I mean? Okay. Uh, but, you know, during that time... They, let me state this, they were like, uh, uh, okay, so, for example, and I, I'm not saying that this happened, I'm by no means, this is just, a, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying, because I don't want the FBI being like, right, you know, can we come in and talk to you? No, this is right. an example. Okay. Um, all right, John, you and your girlfriend, let's pretend you you and her have a 14-year-old daughter, okay. right? A 14-year-old girl. Okay. She comes home from wherever, and she says, looks at you and your girlfriend and says, Mom, Dad, I've just been raped. Well, okay. Yeah. So you you go into dad mode, right? Right. And, I'm going to go in full force. Yep. Uh-huh. And so, of course... Being good American citizens, you're going to call the police. That's the next town over, <laughs> and yeah, you know because we, you know. Okay, and, I have a question, real quick. Uh-huh. How far is the next town over? Um, <laughs> uh, probably five or ten minutes. You okay, know, okay. it's you know depending on where you're living, but okay. so it's like a five or ten minute thing, if that. You know, okay. so you call the police, and they come over there. Well, now, now this is all, you know, I've never seen this before, <clears throat> but uh, uh, so the cops come over and when the cops are there, there's this other person that is there, right? Mm-hmm. But you know this guy, so he's listening to everything that your daughter's saying, what you're saying about, you know, about this scumbag guy who just raped your daughter. So the police, you know, says, don't you worry, we're going to get him. We're going to find him. He walks, you know, goes into his cop car, but that guy stays around. And he asks you just a few more questions, right? Right. Just to kind of fill in the blanks. hmm So everybody goes to bed. About two days later, that guy will show up. You know, not the cop, the other guy. <laughs> and he just looks at you and he says, you can tell your daughter and your wife that you'll never hear from that man again. He's been taken care of. Oh, wow. That is... That's you know, <laughs> and he'll walk away. And you, and you ain't going to say nothing about nothing. You ain't going to want to know nothing. <laughs> exactly. All you knew was the business has been taken care of. Yep. That's it. And it's in the Lord's will on whatever happened, whatever happened yeah. to him. Yeah, it's like, you <laughs> so, know. Yeah, I, I completely understand that and everything. I mean, yeah, that would probably be my first initial thing. I wouldn't be even be asking any questions. Like, I think yeah. I would be shocked. My mouth would be hung open with the door open. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Thank, thank you. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> and close the door. And then you sit on the couch like... What just happened? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, like, for example, uh, and, and this is a true story. This is a true up. I will go on the record and I will tell this day and night. But okay. me and my dad, we owned a pharmacy. You know, okay. small town, small pharmacy, right? Right. And once every three or four years average, we would get a break in. Nothing unusual. And this one guy successfully broke in, stole a lot of pain medication, and got free. Got escaped. Oh, wow. Well, oddly enough, about two days after the robbery, (laughs) the police found this poor man, and he was beaten black and blue. 
in the ch- and he was left right in the church parking lot. <laughs> and the pol- someone had an anonymous phone call to the police to the town next over, mm-hmm. and they come over handcuffed him, threw him in the cop car, and they took a picture of him for the press and said, wow, he was found out, laid out in the church parking lot. But even though he had a big black eye and a swollen jaw, (laughs) (laughs) I wonder who did that, Mm. you know? Yeah. (laughs) They beat that man. (laughs) He ran to his fist a couple of times. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know. But they never did terrorize the people, you know, the, like they just never they ca- actually kept crime, if you will, a, you know, as they and they made it peaceful, you know, like, but you didn't know who was who because they looked so normal. They look they look like me and you and everybody else, you know, right. I mean, it was like really a secret society you just unless you knew like i did i was hanging around them and (laughs) (laughs) i got real thick in with them i was just i was just wondering what was it like i bet you had some immunity to go along with that in a way yeah yeah (laughs) i mean i had immunity but like it's kind of like um if you get to hang around your your uh favorite uncle right you know, you is it, are we saying the drunk uncle that comes in yeah. all the time and tells your stories? Yeah, kind of thing? yeah, you get okay. to hang around your drunk uncle and the one that lets you stay up late, but <laughs> you got to respect what he says. Same kind of thing. Okay, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, they, okay, I got. You. Yeah, they would make sure I didn't get too out of line, but you know, just a little bit. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's good though that you actually had people that didn't want, also want you involved in that kind of thing too. Mm-hmm. That was looking out for you because they knew that you know that you need to go on ahead, turn your life yeah. around. Yeah, because they already chosen the life that they actually chose. They just wanted you to choose the path that was right for you mm-hmm. and help guide you out of that life. Yeah, and I remember uh, a couple of them telling me that you know not to be involved with the Dixie Mafia, not to do this. They said, I know you're young and you're going to, you're they, with their exact words, the, the head guy of it was like, Creighton, he said, you are young, dumb, and full of cum. He's like, <laughs> I can't tell you one thing from another. He's like, <laughs> he's like, the only thing I can do is beat you in the head. But he said, that ain't going to work. You know, <laughs> right? Because you're just gonna be right back on their doorstep. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah. So, you know, right. so they was just like, "Look, you need to get this out of your system." But after it, you get it out of your system. He's like, I, "We want right. you to go to college. We want you to do, make movies. We want you to do Let's what see, it yeah, is." Like, you know. So they weren't like they weren't monsters. They were actually just violent I guess violent tendency people that was like not law but they were okay kind of like law abiding citizens in a sense exactly yeah that's exactly right yeah okay (laughs) I'm just trying to make an intermafia (laughs) right yeah (laughs) law abiding yeah yeah (laughs) but yeah but yeah that was just something I found interesting and also too I mean I know that you interviewed your dad a lot but what about your mom? That was just something that was on my mind, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, my mom, one, she's real camera shy. I mean, she's like, okay. she's like totally, totally. I mean, she don't even like FaceTiming with her grandchildren. You know, it's just like, you know, she's like, I look horrible. I'm like, it don't matter. They're little, you know. <laughs> well, I understand that, though, in a sense. Yeah. Though, too, because. You know, I actually have friends that will FaceTime me and I'll just sit there and just let it ring because they're like, why are you not answering? Because I feel awkward talking like that. Yeah. Now, my mom, if you got to sit down with her one-on-one, she's like me. Oh, she'll talk your head off. You know, it's like, right. especially give her a cup of coffee. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want to go. And... uh so, but she, but you get her on, she don't want to be on camera. She just don't want to do it. 
all right. I can understand that, though, man, because that was just something I was just yeah. kind of curious about. I hear your dad telling stories about him being a pharmacist and everything and taking care of you, and it was just mm-hmm. something that I was actually wondering about. Yeah. So, but actually, I have a question about, about her, though, too. What would you say that a personality type is like? Because that's what I want to know. Like, mm-hmm. how was she nurturing towards you? How was she as a mother? You know what I'm saying? I'm just kind of curious about that. Because you didn't yeah. really m- mention too much back back and forth mm-hmm. and everything on that. Well, she, uh, my mom was very, uh, very uh, creative. Uh, what I mean by creative, <laughs> <laughs> she, Jesus, like we was, I don't know, we was going, oh, I remember we was going to the um, doctor, the diabetic doctor when I was little. Mm-hmm. Now, most moms right they if they they bring a book like they bring their kid a comic book or a coloring book you know right just right, to kind of right. uh, especially back in the 80s my mother brought stephen king christine <laughs> <laughs> it's like right now i know what will cheer you up yeah with your whole entire diabetes <laughs> that will make you forget about it you're gonna put the blood on this woman we're just gonna burn some shit up yeah <laughs> And you're gonna forget all about that diabetes. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she would read me Cujo, Christine, <laughs> Carrie. You know, I mean, uh, I think my dad told her to stop after Carrie. He was like, "Look, you're giving our son nightmares." You know. <laughs> but that's just awesome, though, because you know, I like the fact that she wanted to bring you into reading novels mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, and I'm a huge Stephen King fan. You know that for a fact. You've yeah. seen, you've seen my stuff, <laughs> basically. Oh yeah. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I actually admire your mom for wanting to give you some mature content yeah. stuff to actually read. Yeah. So that's actually pretty awesome. Yeah, and uh, she was, she's always had a very sweet, bubbly person. She was that person. Like if you was having a, uh, like a a big get together or a barbecue, right? Mm-hmm. And there's always that one person that's bubbly and that you know talks to everybody, and you know it's just that one person that is the life of it. You know, mm-hmm. that was my mom. That's awesome. So I, I love hearing stories about like that. You know, yeah. She kind of reminds me of my aunt. <laughs> that's that's how. Yeah, they're two creatures of the same. Yeah. <laughs> Public personality, crazy, yep, and just full of life. Uh huh. That's right. So, okay. So, I I do have a a serious question though, Mm -hmm. and I know that this got you upset during the documentary where you actually had to get up and take a break for a minute. Mm -hmm. And I know I I know the impact was hard for you to relive, uh, and I was just wondering. Um, was it hard for you to relive the murder of your godchildren, Natalie and Chase? And yeah. was there some things that you left out, like uh, like you rewatched it and thought, "I wish I had have uh, would have said this." Yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, there was so much to that because, like, um, it, it was very hard. For me to do it. I mean like. I had to tell. Basically everybody that set up the cameras. And lights and this and that. That was there. I had to tell them to go home. And uh, before I started talking. I was like. I don't need y'all here. Because I can't do it. If I see you. I won't be able to let go. You know. Right. And it's. Like after I. Did it. And you know. An hour or two. Like I stayed in bed that next, that whole next day, because I was so emotionally drained, you know. Because right. when I'm talking, you know, like in the documentary, I'm seeing it in real life in my brain. That's right, and it's like it's like if you got an old wound and you just take it and it's like, let's open that sucker up, man. It's just fr- good and fresh again. And, uh, yeah, it was very tough. And I wish when I look back on it that, yeah, yeah, there was a few things I should have 
said, but, uh, you know, that's one of them things. Like, if I made How Many Chances a docuseries, mm-hmm. then Natalie and Chase would have been a whole hour. Because I could see that, you know, I mean, FBI was here at my house, you know, and yeah, I remember that. So, like, you know, and see, I wish I would have said this in the documentary, but when the FBI showed up here, I thought, oh, shit, they're coming up talking about the Dixie Mafia bit, you know, and <laughs> that's yeah, the first yeah, that was the first instinct. Oh, my God, it's coming back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it Look, was. I don't know yeah. nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, turning into Italian. I, I don't know. I don't care if you know. Forget about it. Forget it. it you know. <laughs> right. Exactly. But anyways, you. Um. But yeah, I can understand how you would actually be nervous if you were approached by the FBI and everything, and especially you being involved with the Dixie Mafia. Yeah. But considering with this, with it being involved with Chase and Natalie, I mm. knew. There's just that attachment there for your godchildren. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and it's still, I mean, I'm able to do what I do. But, you know, one of the main reasonings of why I'm still going out there making documentaries and making movies and stuff is because I know that Natalie and Chase wouldn't want me stuck in a room in a dark little room, sitting balled up, doing nothing. You know, exactly. that I right. know if they were alive right now, they'd be like, what you working on? What you going to do? Can I help? You know, <laughs> they right. would want me out there creating and making and doing something. And so that's what, that's what really is a motivator for me. I'm glad, man. I'm glad that, you know, you can actually look at it that way, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, I can't relate to my, I don't have no godchildren or children or like that. Yeah. But when my two best friends died, it was like either I cry and mourn over them, which is something they don't want to do, mm-hmm. want me to do, or I move on and primarily focus on myself and do what I need to do mm-hmm. because that's what they would want me to do. So yeah. I can actually understand that from that perspective. You're right. And I, and I also have a question too. Mm-hmm. I mean, did making this documentary, how many chances did that take a toll on you emotionally? I know that it. I know that it had been a little. Uh, you had to been kind of drained a little bit after you talking about that uh, about Natalie and Chase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, me being a director right now. To each mm-hmm. is their own. Everybody directs a movie differently but me when I say when I tell a story I'm seeing it in my mind you know it's like Robert Langdon off the Da Vinci Code it's like you see all these things and it's really it it drained me I mean like after I would shoot something I would need a day or two just to uh, you know get ready to start editing and uh, it, so it really, really, really does. And especially like when I'm doing interviews, like with my dad or Bernice mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, that whoever else, you know, was around. Right. So, yeah, it'll, it'll drain you. It sure will. I can, t- I can definitely tell, you know. Mm-hmm. Just the way you're describing it, the way you're talking right now and everything, that it did take a toll on you. Because I can actually tell the pain in your voice on how much of an impact it actually took on you. Mm. You know? But I do want to say the documentary is very good. Oh, thank you. Very welcome. And, you know, I want to actually go into a little bit more of a lighter lighter moment right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. And, uh, but... They say when someone dies and they come back to life or have a near-death experience like you did, that it opens your mind or something like a paranormal experience. Has that uh, happened with you? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It it really has. And look, I will tell you straight out, I was always skeptical of things like that, right? But I'm not one of those people that, like, like, 
you know, goes around and it's like, I see ghosts in the trees. And it's like, right. you know, no, that's not ghosts. That's you tripping on acid. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, right. I don't, I'm not one of those people, but weird, I can't explain it. Like weird little things happen or I'll hear uh, things like, for example, all right, with Natalie and Chase, I used to make them chocolate covered strawberries, right? That was mm-hmm. that was what that's what they loved. That's what they wanted me to make them constantly. So one, I believe it was not this last Christmas, Christmas before or something like that, but I was made some white chocolate covered strawberries and some dark chocolate covered strawberries. And I put a little confetti stuff, not confetti, but you know that, you know that rainbow looking stuff that you put on there and make it look colorful, like you see on cupcakes sometimes. Right. right. Yeah. So I did that and I just put it up there for, I was like, you know, that would be kind of nice for, you know, I was right. thinking about Natalie and Chase. I could- the weird thing was when I put those two strawberries up there. When I left the kitchen and nobody was in there and I came back, those two strawberries was on the ground. Oh, yeah. That, you know, that, that's, that's, I I don't know. I mean, that wouldn't creep me out or anything. It would be like an odd moment. Mm -hmm. It was. I was like, oh, my babies are around, you know, or something, you know. I was like, this is the best Christmas now. (laughs) Right. You know, they're there with you spiritually and everything, and that's just moving to me. Yeah. And, you know, another thing, too, was in your documentary, you speak about dying and coming back to life in great detail. What happened the other four times you died and came back to life? Well, the other four times, I kind of remember, but I don't. That's why I didn't didn't speak about it like, like... when I died and come back to life, my dad would tell me, you know, he's like, yeah, you said that you saw this or you was, you know, this or that, you know, he didn't, he didn't go into, my dad didn't just didn't go into big detail about it, mm-hmm. but I cannot vividly in my mind, remember that for some reason. Right. Uh, I, I just remember waking up and, you know, like, like god bless now i know why i do you know now i know why i don't have chest hair that fried all off you know that's that's great yeah (laughs) um but i also have a question too and if you could meet three people in heaven who would those three people be ah all right so if i can meet any three people in heaven well my very first choice would be Cleopatra. Really? Yep. I would meet Cleo because, look, John. I know you're an you're an an amateur historian. You're very much like me, right? <laughs> right, right. Now, as we now, for those of you who are not historians, Cleopatra she met with this guy named Julius Caesar, Caesar, and then she dropped some kids, and then she met with this other guy, Anthony, or someone like that. You know that right. guy. And she dropped some kids with him. So, and then she got bit by snakes, right? Right. So, so she is a seductress. She is, for an Egyptian woman, that is the most seductress human being on God's green earth ever. And if I want to meet her in heaven, and I want to see if the seductress can (laughs) seduce me, and I want to see if I will pass or fail, I will probably fail. But, you know, (laughs) so Cleopatra is number one. Okay. All right. My number two. All right. So I, I know who I would want to meet. Lassie. That'd be cool. That'd be cool to actually meet Lassie. Yeah. I want to meet Lassie. See, John, I saw that picture you had of your cat when he was around. Right. Right. See, I have a cat and my cat. He's a he's a rambunctious rascal. So when I see Lassie, I'm going to be like, "What am I doing wrong? What did I do wrong with this rambunctious <laughs> rascal cat?" You know. And right. I have some other questions, like, "How come every time I've seen you, Lassie, your hair and your fur is just 
perfect. You know, what is going on? You know, so <laughs> Lassie is my number two. Okay. My number three, Marlon Brando. Oh, that that would actually be sweet to actually meet him. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, well, see, I don't know if you know this, but in heaven, there's an all-you-can-eat buffet, right? <laughs> so I know where he would be at. So I could always hang out at the buffet, never get fat, and I could ask him so many questions of like, "Do you like yourself bigger or smaller?" You know. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny though if he's just one size now. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I'd be like, like, Look, we're gonna eat cheesecake and please do the Godfather impression here in heaven, you know? So, I can see him, oh God, not another one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I can see I can see that. Yeah. So those would be my three. Yeah. Okay. So my last question that I have is when you speak about making films in your documentary. Was there anything that you wanted to say that you forgot to say in your film? Because I heard that you did a little bit of stand-up comedy in the bar in the bar scene in Florida, in Texas. <laughs> and I also have this question too: Why didn't you put that in there? I, mean, I would actually, <laughs> you know, I could take a few minute break, you know, and have yeah. that like as an improv part, you know? right? <laughs> well, I I did do. Uh, stand-up comedy for a little while and when I did it it was in the bar you know like these bars and stuff because you know I was just out there doing my own thing and I would uh, improvise with them but you know people in a bar they're half the time they're drunk and they're like ah who is this Harry Potter guy that kind of looks anorexic you know <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right so, I mean like I would improvise, so I would get to talking with the crowd, and I would ask, uh, sometimes I would, I would ask somebody to ask me a certain question to get things going, and right. my question would always be that I had this person ask me in the crowd was, and it was usually a woman, but I would say, how come is is it that a man will never ever put up the dishes in the kitchen? That's what the question would be asked towards right. me. And I would say, well, one, you're lucky that a man is actually in the kitchen trying to cook. That's your first thing. <laughs> yeah. I was like, why do you think they, they, you know, made drive-throughs? It wasn't for everybody. It was just for guys, you know, we, right. And you want to drive up. Right. And it's done. I was like, <laughs> I was like, and you want us to go and put the stuff back? You're lucky we found it in the first place, you know? So, right. So usually after that, they, people would loosen up, you know? They'd be like, all right, right. this guy's getting a little funny, you know? And I can right. ask him all kind of weird stuff. And believe me, I had some weird-ass questions, you know? <laughs> so you kind of like you did a Q&A with a stand-up. Uh-huh, so. yeah. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. You know, and I've seen that done a little bit and everything, but to actually hear that you've done something like that, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, and, and you know, and it really helped me with my storytelling as in as it relates to me making movies. So I was able to grasp, you know, a different point of view from, you know, people in general, you know. Right. So... Different, different demographics, different things. You know what makes funny to this person might not be funny to you, but right. And com- comedy is the most subjective uh-huh. art out there, and it's very hard because everybody's yeah. humor is different. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Very. So. <laughs> uh, so, but it, you know what? That was great because it helped me learn how to do it. You know what I mean? It just it, it opened up my mind to different things. And um, so, yeah. All right. Well, that's all the questions that I actually have and everything. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, man, I, I, I appreciate you being on the show. And not only that, but every single time when you're on and everything, I just want to say thank you oh, for taking the time out and actually being on the show just uh, for us talking about movies and everything oh, else. Yeah. And 
I always enjoy having you on the show. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, I'm always Thank looking for, forward to the next project that you can actually do. Yeah. Whenever you do it. And are, are you planning on doing anything? I sure. Yeah, I am. I am writing right now. Okay. While the, how many chances will be released from what the distributor has said? No if, ands, or buts. The end of next month, the thing will be ready. <laughs> to watch awesome. Awesome. And the public will be able to finally see it. And, okay. uh, and um, uh, before I go, I, I remember me and you was chatting. And, um, and I remember you said that you wanted me to tell a story that I didn't put in the documentary about that was little... Oh, yeah. Going ahead. Okay. Yeah. All right. So for reference, you know, and this is not spoilers, but, uh, you know, if it is, it comes from the horse's mouth, me. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) you don't have to blame John. Blame me, (laughs) the guy who made it. But uh, in in the documentary, I do tell a cute, fun childhood story. Well, my dad does, you know. (laughs) All right. So. But there is one that I did not tell, and I will tell it on Movie Lovers Unite. Now, when I was in kindergarten, uh, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the whole kindergarten thing back in the 80s, John. Well, well, I grew up in the 90s. Okay. Because I still remember nap time. I still remember mm-hmm. story time. Of course, you know, you had your snack time, too. Right. Okay, so... At the end of kindergarten, did you have like a little graduation ceremony thingy? Yeah, we did. Okay. So that's what, I, believe it or not, you know, that's what we had in the 80s at their little kindergarten. So somehow I got selected to sing. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I was having a mental breakdown and I raised my hand to sing or if some friend of mine just raised raised my hand up. I can't figure that out, but (laughs) I got the job. And so here I come. I teeter-tottle along like a little bitty hobbit from the Shire. And I go to the (laughs) stage. They they give me the microphone and I start singing. Well, now, as I am singing, I'm looking out and my dad is looking at me like, oh, my God. <laughs> and my mom is just sitting there smiling like, oh, my baby boy is smiling. It's so, so good. You know, like there's nothing wrong her son can do, you know. And I'm like, right. you know. And so, and what's weird about it is the Dixie Mafia, some of them were there as well. And they were just looking at me like, what is this boy doing? You know. <laughs> <laughs> so after this, you know, the Dixie Mafia come to my mom and dad and they they was like, I'm glad to graduate in kindergarten. That's all I can say. <laughs> you know? My mom was like, Well, he gets it from me. I can't carry a tune in the bucket. And he's like, Neither can he. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> What song what song I wanna know what song you were singing. Oh God, what was it? Something I don't know, something that was uh let me think. I think it was Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Okay. Yeah. So something easy. Yeah. It wasn't like you were singing. Uh-uh. Or no, I wasn't singing Bohemian Rhapsody. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> okay. 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 And so as I got older, right, and I was hanging around the Dixie Mafia and stuff, this was the this was the gag. I would walk in, and <laughs> they would see me, and the ones who saw that show. They they would be like, they would just blurt this out. They would say, you know what? If the police or the FBI is listening to us, we can stop it. We know how to stop it. <laughs> Creighton starts singing. That will make the damn dogs start howling. And the FBI, their ears or ears will start bleeding. They'll walk away from it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, thanks. You know, so <laughs> you had the Dixie Mafia still running jokes on me. Yeah. <laughs> 
I could see them going. I could just see that FBI. Who's Crichton? Yeah. <laughs> Whoever he is, telling you to stop singing. You know. Right. I don't get paid enough. For or this. or FBI knocks on the Dixie Mafia. Look, we're listening to you right now. Can you please get him to stop yeah. singing? <laughs> yeah. They're like, look, I love Elton John like everybody else, but this guy just telling you to stop. It's a right. This is. Look, a- we'll stop the investigation. Yeah, this is a crime, you know, literally. against music. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that was something that I, you know. I'm glad that you shared that, though. That, uh, that is definitely funny. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I do, once again, man, it's been a great, it's been a pleasure having oh, you on. Man. And where can everybody stream your documentary? Because I know that you said that there's actually a streaming service that's actually geared towards. Mm-hmm. Independent uh, film, yeah, directors and writers. Uh huh. And it's, I think it's called like My Production Spotlight. Mm-hmm. They'll have to Google that My Production Spotlight, and okay. it'll pop up. But that's where, because that website or that distributor, they're gonna open up. Their own Netflix, if you will. Okay. You know, it's not going to be an app, but you remember how Netflix was before the app? <laughs> yeah. They sent you an, you uh, go on ahead, you sign up for about maybe three discs, you watch them, yeah. you put them in the mailbox, and then you get another set uh-huh. of them. And then they came out with it, uh, a website. Yep. And then after the, the website. website, it went to the app. Well, yep. see, the, the distributor, they've got the website, so they don't you bypassed all the mailings. Junk. <laughs> <laughs> so they were like, "We can do this," you know. That's awesome. So, I'm glad that I'm glad that there's actually an independent uh, place that people can go to. Mm-hmm. And... So yeah, so that's gonna do it for our movie love shit night for tonight. I just want to say thanks again, Crichton. Oh man, thank you for having me. Anytime, man. Anytime. You're always welcome, as always. And, of course, guys, go on ahead. Buy me a coffee. Buy me a piece of pie. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go to buymeacoffee.com. I'll put that in the show notes. So that way you can actually go on ahead, donate towards the show. And I hope everyone has a great and safe night. And always until next time, bye-bye.